Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome, everybody, to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. Well, welcome back to uh, the highly contagious version of Extreme Common Sense. Yeah, how you feeling? Pretty good, man. Uh, it's funny, when I say welcome back, I say that because even though the listeners are hearing us for the first time, we had some technical difficulties. We already recorded a 20-minute show that magically disappeared. So now we're just going to try it again. So yes, I'll, I'll retell the story that I'm, I'm, I'm COVID positive and feeling moderately. Okay. And, uh, hopefully get back to it here pretty quick. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. I sat with you Friday night at a ball game and I haven't tested positive yet. So I don't know how, how much did you breathe on me? Did you blow you know the what? popcorn I was eating? I, I think I licked it a little bit. I like to lick people's food before I hand it to them just to kind of check it out. Wow. Wow. But, uh, uh, Sandy Adams of Realty World Adams and Associates, who was uh, one of the guests, I think we gave it to her. So she oh, now she has COVID as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my wife, myself, and uh, Sandy Adams, all positive. And we did, sh- we did share that joint. There was the marijuana that we all smoked in the Cincinnati Reds uh, place. So, yeah, definitely. And we did have a lot of sex, all of us. There was an orgy that occurred. Oh, come on, man. We didn't have to say that. We Marijuana was far enough. You didn't have to tell us. All know. right. So, I'm sure okay. the red so, officials don't know that. that we, we did have the good discretion to at least close the window at that point. That, that's true. Before, before. The, the orgy or the marijuana? Before which? Yeah, no, the orgy. The marijuana was fine. You just blow that out. Okay. It's legal Fair in enough. Ohio, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, good question. I I don't smoke weed. I should know more about the ruling though, or the rules for pot. Oh, I thought you were going to say you should. Yes, you should. You All know right, what? I, man, I so, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say we're finally uh, we have a guest, and it's uh it's my brother. But go ahead, finish your thought. Oh no, I, I've just I've never smoked pot because I can barely breathe as it is. So which is the same reason I've never smoked cigarettes. I like the idea of sort of marijuana as a downer because like i don't need any additional speed but uh yeah i've never wanted to smoke anything it just seems like a a bad way to have to get a high or whatever who wants to breathe all that crap in you have asthma or something no i just grew up in a house where everybody smoked so there was like always two smokers and a wood-burning stove and i just (laughs) you know never breathed that well so it's probably a touch of asthma yeah funny to you maybe this about you so you have never been high on on cannabis oh yeah i've smoked pot uh i usually like i used to joke that i would smoke like once a year whether i wanted to or not so like i would just be somewhere in college and somebody would say hey take a hit of this joint and i'd say i don't care okay but yeah not and i liked it well enough i just wasn't enough to to be an addiction Okay, yeah, no, that's cool. I, I, cuz I thought you probably had been high. Now Lucas never been high. Never been high. My uh, my best friend guy. Brendan who did the show has never been high either. It's crazy to to think you just never Brendan's took the never time. Been to, high. I'm not sure, Brendan, I'm yeah. not sure Dan Cordial's ever been high. But Really? I've got a great I've got a great pot smoking story if you want to hear it before we bring your brother on. Sure. Okay, so I, I went to uh I went to this party when I was in college. It was a spring break party. And it was at some random single wide trailer in Berea. It was just one of these random parties that, you know, the whole baseball team was on campus because we had games. And so uh, it was just some random dude's house. And we walk into this single wide trailer and the whole kitchen table is covered in pot. And I mean, it was just, you know, they obviously had to be dealers of some kind because again, it was probably three pounds of pot just on this huge kitchen table. So we're just hanging out, you know, there wasn't a red flag for us to leave or anything. We just hang out, we're drinking beers. And uh, so some of the guys start smoking pot. Well, like I said, I'll smoke it maybe once a year and take a hit. And that's pretty much my, I'm good. Well, one of the things is somebody that's a pot smoking novice, um, I didn't know how to to work the pipe. So like with a pipe, you have to like close one hole with your thumb 
and then smoke. Well, I didn't know to do that. You know, again, I've smoked pot a handful of times in my life. So we all keep smoking and smoking and I just keep swallowing it. I'm like, oh, I'm getting all this pot. But it just didn't occur to me still that I was doing something wrong. I thought I just breathed in the marijuana. And so I got such an enormous high. Now, I don't know if this was uh, like um, the, like it was one of those things everybody thought it was laced. I've always said I don't know that a lot of drug dealers like to give you free drugs. So I just don't know how often people are lacing pot with other stuff. It never made much sense. Right. But I got so high, I, I was hallucinating a little bit, and like the concept of time didn't make any sense to me. So I assume it was just from swallowing probably the equivalent of two joints when I don't smoke pot. But it was a wild, wild trip. That's funny. So you've done edibles as well. I've also inadvertently done some edibles. <laughs> inadvertently done edibles. That's funny, man. That's a good yeah. pot smoking studio. Yeah. Well, let's oh, bring your brother God. on. I, I want to hear about him. Yeah. I want to hear about your life. I've certainly talked enough about him on the podcast. And, you know, he didn't want to come on because he said he had nothing interesting to say. And I said, nah, man, we'll we'll have we'll have fun. So, yeah, we'll, we'll bring him on. Tom, how are you? I'm great. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, Tom. Yeah. Tom Trisden, Trisden, Tom. Tom, nice to meet you again. Nice to meet you, Tristan. So you're 700 miles away in Pumpton Plains, New Jersey. Yes, sir. And the bottom of the bottom of your house, which is the house I grew up in. You are correct, sir. And where you're known as Buzz and not Ray. Yeah, I am known <laughs> as Buzz in New Jersey and Ray here. So here's an interesting thing, Tristan. My brother will be 58 in November, and he has lived at one address one one address 20 garden place pumpkin plains in new jersey and i think it was probably difficult for his kids to understand that the house that they were growing up in is the house that i grew up in i don't think kids necessarily you know make that calculation it was it was just odd but um yeah 58 years at one house well, and as he says that. you know either that's really cool or really tragic you know one or the other. <laughs> yeah, what what is it, Tom? Is it is it tragic or is it the best thing ever? It's a little of both. It's uh, it, you know, it it might be time, but um, no, it was a weird uh, sort of series of events, right? Because um, I did commute to college. I didn't go away to school, so that was part of it. I commuted to college, and then sort of post college, my dad. You know the story of my mom passing away when we were younger. My dad had met a woman and remarried, and um sort of moved they each owned a home so like he went there and um here was our home and um it, it kind of operated for a few years as like a little mini fraternity i just lived here and had a bunch of guys right. in i mean buzz lived here for a while and a couple of other buddies of mine so um i kind of had that experience of living kind of like with a bunch of dudes in my 20s but it was right. at this house like it was all at this house and then yeah. I met the girl who would be my wife, and she um, sort of fell in love with this town. And when we started looking for homes, we were looking sort of north and west of here, which was closer to where she worked. And she's like, but I really love this town. And then, uh, you know, to make a long story interminable, um, <laughs> we eventually um, bought this house from my dad. We lived here for a while. He came, that, that marriage fell apart. He came home. Um, he lived here with us for a while. My first son was born while he was still living here with us. And um, and then we got him a, a little condo where he spent kind of the, the rest of his days, very near here, a couple miles away. Um, and we had the house. And so it just it just always was, it just happened. It just kind of happened. It wasn't really a plan. It did. And that, yeah. and that is the caveat. Whenever I say that my brother's been soon to be 58 years at the same address, there's the caveat of losing mom. So he didn't live with his parents all that time. Um, and, and he's <laughs> right. right. There, was a, there was a little bit of animal house because there was a time where there were th three of us living there, um, you know, all single men. And it, it, was, uh, it was pretty funny. Now, there's a decent pot smoking story, Tom. There's two I, of them. I, I believe um, I know the story you're going to tell. Well, well there's the, two. Um, remember when the remember when the cat got the Ben and Jerry's uh, do. Uh, pint stuck on its head, and the three <laughs> of us are buttered. It was me, Tommy, and a buddy of ours, Yui, living with us. And this fucking cat comes up to lick the remnants of the Ben and Jerry's, and it gets the 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 pint of Ben and Jerry's gets stuck on its head, and we are just 
losing it. We were having Ben and Jerry's for munchie. And of course, we're not helping the cat. And it's backing out of the room. And, you know, give the cat credit. It was smart enough to never do it again because we tried and coaxed it to do it again. But God, we lost it. And the other was. Well, the cat was trying to back out of the ice cream container. So it was literally walking backwards across the floor with an ice cream container on its head, which. If there was viral video at the time, this would have been one. It was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> but, was great. Um, but the other story I thought you were going to tell was when we had was, just gotten high. Was and, Joan? Uh, yeah, my dad yeah. stopped in with his then wife that, you know, that matters last <laughs> about, about two years. And, you know, hey, dad, you know, unexpected visit, but he was always welcome. And um, she walks in and she's there about a minute and a half. She goes, I smell a skunk. and we're like oh no no you don't certainly not no no no, i do smell a skunk now we get up and pretend to walk around looking for a skunk and uh, i don't don't really i don't really smell it do you smell it she's like she's like it's it's almost like it's right in this room she's saying (laughs) you know the best weed smells like skunk and we had just finished and joan was uh joan was unlike our mom mom was a little more um uh, demure is that the word joan was kind of a gruff rough lady and she's like ray to my dad ray uh, you check downstairs uh, there's a skunk in the basement you're gonna have to check and we're just fucking losing it like oh no my God. <laughs> right an unannounced visit we had just finished the bowl the doobie whatever it was and it smelled like skunk not because there was a skunk because we had just smoked some skunk weed and you know that is hilarious thing. We're going to talk to my brother about his school teaching career and kids. Now, there, that, that actually can lead to a serious um, point, which is I would have no more said to my dad, oh, I'm high, I'm smoking weed, than poke my eye out. My son would just say, yeah, we're smoking a joint. What's the big deal? Because yeah, we weren't well, kids. We were probably, no, we were we probably were 21 and 25. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, th- so there's a difference, right? A huge difference. Yeah, well, I had this uh, happen the other day with my 23-year-old daughter. She said, and and pot is legal here now in Jersey, and there's um, dispensaries, and there's a couple nearby that none of us have visited yet, but they exist. And um, she said to me, Dad, if um, if I brought some weed home, could I smoke in the house? And I was like, No, like absolutely not. And she was like, <laughs> She was like, Well, why? I'm 23. It's legal, and I'm kind of like, Oh. Yeah, you're right. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I, she's like, why did you? Even, she's like, why did you even respond that way? And I said, I don't know. I just felt like it was the dad thing to say. But, uh, but, but yeah, muscle it's memory. In a, it's muscle memory. Right. It's grounded in a different time, right? Where you right. know you can't. Sure. Come in my, you, no, there'll be no pot smoking in my house. It's, right. just, uh, it's a different. It's a different. Yeah, world. totally different. different that world. is funny. So. You say legal yeah. in New Jersey. Does that mean that you, me, and Trisden, if he came up with me to Jersey and decided that was it was his one time yeah. for the year that he'd get yeah. high, we could just sit on your deck and pass a joint with no recrimination? Yes, that's what it means. Uh, you can go to these dispensaries. You don't need a medical card. You can just buy it. Um, I, I There are some rules around... Um, they're very similar to alcohol. You have to be 21. Yeah. You can't uh, You can't be in a public park. And, you know, they're right. pretty about, yeah, as far as I know, I could sit on my back deck and, um, you know, it's my, my private property. And uh, Choke away. I think I'm well, good to go. Cool. I haven't done it, but I'm pretty sure that's how the rules constituted now. Yeah. Oh, your so, kid's yeah. done it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. kids have done it. That's fine. All right. So tell us about your career, man. Well, i uh, well, it's funny. I, just before I make that segue, this sort of is a segue into that. I was I got thinking about um, as we were having that conversation about my early years. I'm much less in touch with it now than I was in my twenties. But kids who were coming into class high, and and me recognizing that, you know, how you deal with that as a teacher um, when you when you see it. And um, I, there's a couple stories around that, but I, I won't I won't go there yet. But anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll start my 35th year in the fall. Um, all, all in the same school, which is a funny thing to say after um, the, the, the uh, whole, address, whole life at the same yes. Yeah, You're a loyal guy, thing. Tom. You're very loyal, loyal to very dude. specific <laughs> things. Absolutely. I always say um, I say one uh, one house, one job, one wife, one phone number. That's, that's, <laughs> that's those those things have been true my whole life. Um, nice. If there was a house phone anymore, which there isn't. But uh, so yeah, thirty thirty fifth year coming up. Um, still, still 
love it for the most part, which is the reason I'm still doing it because I have, um, you know, the years and I've reached a retirement age and I could go at any time I want, but, um, I still really enjoy walking in the classroom. I, um, had a couple of, a couple of very serious opportunities to move into administration, which included actual job offers and, um, passed. And, uh, you know, as I look back at those and one of them was 15, 20 years ago, one of them was maybe 10 years ago. Um, I, no regrets, no regrets, because the, what I love about this job is being in the classroom with kids. I mean, it's cliched, but um, they're awesome, they're funny, they keep you young. I know what the hell people are talking about in the world, because I'm, I'm around 17-year-olds every day. I mean, I can't tell you the amount right. of sort of language and references that would be lost on me if it wasn't for being around kids. And I'll just sure. ask them. I'll just ask them, you know, what does this mean or what does that mean? Or they'll quiz you. They love to quiz you. Like, Mr. White, what does it, what does it mean if... Uh, if uh, to to cap something, you know what it means to cap something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like uh, I'm like I don't shoot somebody. I think no, no, no. It means to it means you're 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 lying about something. I'm like oh okay, that one's changed oh, over go. time. Like yeah, sure yeah, yeah. Is. Like you're capping. So what do you sure teach? Capping is you're lying. Tell us uh, nice, and I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. yeah, you're lying. No, you're capping. You're lying. Yeah, that's a it's a relatively recent one. Uh, high school English. Um, I've taught every grade, well, every grade of high school. I've taught ninth through twelfth graders. Um, I don't, I don't think over thirty-five years there's too many courses in English that I haven't taught that are offered in the high school. But uh, currently, juniors and seniors. Um, I have a real nice schedule, which is part of you know hanging around. Um, I teach uh, advanced placement uh, seniors and honors juniors, so um, real nice, hardworking kids, and um, so that's cool. And um, I teach a journalism and elective and a public speaking elective. Ironically, he says as he speaks publicly. So, thirty-five <laughs> years. Is there anybody? Uh, are you the longest tenured teacher in your high school? Yeah, longest tenured. I um, that happened about three. Oh my god, I was going to say three or four years ago. It might be six. Um, the um, two teachers left together. Uh, one math, one English. Who were the only two people left in the building who had served more years in that building? There's older people there. Um, mm-hmm. But they either they either came to Verona later or they're second career people. Uh, but it's only right. a handful of them, only a handful of them too. But um, but yeah, every um, every every uh, older than every longer tenured than everyone in that building, which is funny a funny thing to go back and forth with kids about because um, you know now that um, I have I'm teaching the children of former students, mm-hmm. my kids will say, uh, you know, Mr. White, do you know that? Uh, in the in the nineties, they suspended the whole band on the banjo. I'll be like, yeah, nineteen ninety five. You want the names? You want the story? You want the details? And it's funny because they don't know a lot of the details because their parents were maybe on that band trip and don't necessarily right. <laughs> don't right. necessarily want them to know how that all went down. And I'll just lay it out for them. So I've become like the unofficial school historian. I've got ah, a, I've got nice. stories. So yeah, that's now, Tom- a cool role. That's awesome. Now, there's also, and we talk a lot of politics, but there's a bit of politics that probably goes into staying in one school that long because you've probably had multiple principals and a lot of different administration. Like, so you probably have to get along with a lot of different people, right? To to do that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No doubt. I've um, somebody asked me one day uh, how many principals, and I um, fewer superintendents. They've stayed longer. Um, but I, it might be eight or nine. I'd, I'd have to, wow. I think I'd have to sit down and make a list. Um, so yeah. And that's, that's one of the funny things about education too, is the, and I've always said, um, I don't know how much you want me to pontificate, pontificate about education. Oh, but, please. Um, by all means. I, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, one of the very underutilized resources in education is, um, veteran teaching staff who's committed to the district. And, uh, you know, who have committed to the district lifelong. Those are the people in my experience. And I buzz, it's Kenny Lux and people like that. That's a name buzz right. knows because he was he was a mentor of mine and a guy who worked um, his whole uh, career basically in one district and um, just totally committed, dedicated, hardworking guy, role model for me, sort of taught me everything I knew about. Like my early teaching years were just do what this guy did because um, he was just a beast. The kids loved him. They worshipped him. He was a wonderful teacher. And um, and a committed, uh, you know, guy who committed his, his life to the district. And I bring that up because you asked about administrative turnover, which happens a lot. And it's my feeling that, you know, every administrator steps in with his or her agenda. 
and they all leave a mark. You know, I'm going to revise the curriculum, so it's, you're gonna, all going to teach understanding by design curriculum. I'm going to introduce uh, dual enrollment so kids can get college credit while they're getting high school credit. Uh, I'm going to um, go deeper on the AP program. I want to offer more AP classes, and all those things are fine, and some of them work, some of them don't. But they throw a thing on their resume and they move on. They're typically not committed to the district. And um, so it's those people, I think, who are who are there, you know, kind of lifers who um, who are who are. And I, I, I want to say I'm not just saying that because I am one. I, I, I am saying that because I am one. But I think it's I think it's kind of an un, I think it's kind of an untapped resource. Like what, the, the flip side of like, um, oh, yeah, I remember when your parents were suspended on the band trip is also I remember when they tried when they tried this particular thing in 2003 that you think is a new idea. And I'll give you um, all the all the reasons why it may or may not work, or what was done correctly or not so well the first time. Like that's a resource you should use. Don't just go. That's a huge asset. Yeah, of course it is, right? And um, so um, yeah, I mean, I could talk about this forever, but I'll cut myself off. All right. So what about kids? I mean, you're you know, thirty five years, five decades. That sounds a little more impressive. Eighties, nineties, aughts, teens, twenties. Um, yeah, sounds old. You, you shit, you are old. Look at look at the face <laughs> on the camera. Christ, I'm still youthful. But um, kids, I mean, tell us about kids. Are are we in better shape, worse shape? I mean, you know, every generation blames the one behind. But you know, where uh, are we? You know, I, we're in better shape. We're in better shape. Um, hold on a sec. I get the pooch. I like that. I, that's the un, yeah, yeah. the unannounced dog guest. I like it. Yeah, the unannounced dog guess. That's cool. Um, so, um, no, I think we're in better shape. I think um, I, I can't. Well, you don't hear that often. Yeah, I know. And I, and I don't say it to be a contrarian. I think I think people expect you to say, oh, kids these days. And I honestly, honestly don't believe it. I, I, I think there's, um, I, I think kids were worse. And I don't, I, I hate to even use that because I don't, as a teacher, I don't want to talk about who's who's better and who's worse. But uh, there were, I'll put it this way. There were more behavioral problems in earlier in my career um, of the sort that were, um, that were really bad news. Um, and by which I mean, you know, drug use in the school and, um, and, and um, you know, I don't know, vandalism um, that was sort of extreme in nature and sort of, sort of out of control kids. There's just less and less of that. I think the um, attributable to what, I, well, I was going to say I don't know. I'm speculating here, but I think I think the um, I think it might be this. I, uh, our generation blames everything on cell phones, right? But I think the um, I think it might be the short leash of cell phones. I think these kids grow up very differently um, than you know. I've heard you talk a lot about on on the podcast, but also we've talked about being free range, right? And how we grew up and figured it all out for ourselves because nobody was paying attention. Um, these kids can't do anything that's not monitored. And the mm. downside of that is super obvious. You know, I tell them all the time, I would much rather have grown up the way I did than the way you guys do. Um, and um, a lot of restrictions, you know, reporting at all times their whereabouts to their parents. And if they don't, they're literally being kind of spied on. But I think the other side of that is that level of accountability almost, I don't know, scares them, uh, scares them straight or something. Like they're like, um, they're they're just monitored all the time, and I, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing, but I think it leads to um, less very serious behavioral problems. I don't know speculation wow. on that part, but it might be a thing. Go ahead, Trace. I thought you had a question. I you know what I didn't. I thought you had a question, so I was okay in that. But uh, I guess the question I would ask about that, uh, one of the things that I hear generally about kids, and, and t- I like I liked what you said about that. I mean, uh, there is some a lot of truth in, in every ounce of that. Do you feel like they do struggle communicating, though? That's kind of yeah. the kids I'm around. They almost seem so shy and like caught up in their world. Like you can't just have a conversation. Now, that is my fear that that in 20 years you're not going to be able to walk up to somebody in a supermarket and say, Hey, how are you? You're going to have to have some kind of text emoji that announces how you're doing that day. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent true. And I, and that's the, um, that's I, I, when I was talking about and, or speculating about maybe they're better behaved because they're tenured or tethered rather. I think the, um, I think 
technology for the most part is is an enormous downside and you put your finger on one part of it um and, and so i was just suggesting maybe there's this little bit of an upside that we don't realize which is they're a little more accountable i'm not sure but no by and large no you definitely see that and and um we have um we have uh, ha- had a lot of conversations around that as teachers especially those of us who've taught any upwards of say 15 years um about just the different nature of kids and how um, sort of shy and withdrawn and socially awkward so many of them are because of the kinds of things that you've talked about. I, you know, going, and this is funny, something to speak to as a 35-year teacher, I've sort of always, and at risk of sounding like a Luddite, I've always been opposed to kind of the automatic introduction of technology, this, this assumption that um, more technology equaled better schools. You know, school report cards that would come out as far back as the late 90s that would list things like um, SAT scores. Okay, fine. But also like pupil to computer ratio. And the higher it was, the better the school was. And I was always like, yeah, I don't know. That feels like a misunderstanding of what schools do. Because at their core, and this shouldn't ever change, and it certainly has, at their core, they're places to go and learn to socialize. Um, right. I mean, could you could you guys name at, at your age? Could you name you you could name a handful of teachers, a handful of classes. I couldn't give you a million dollars to walk through from freshman to senior year and tell me who your four math teachers were, who your four history teachers were, like in order and what the content was. You couldn't right. do it. You couldn't come close to doing it. So that suggests to me that it's not really about that content. It's about the socialization and the life lessons and the which which of course brings me to COVID because this last year and a half, or or not last year and a half, but the year and a half that we were kind of out of schools has had some some really brutal impact. I had I'll share a quick story about uh, my end of the year eval with um, my supervisor, a much much younger person. She's uh, in her late twenties. So we. We come from very different perspectives on things, and we were chatting about it. And she just sort of asked me, you know, how did your year go? And I said, well, it went well. I mean, it was it sort of got close to back to normal this year. Um, the last two were so strange. This one was a little more normal. It was mostly masked, but then finally even the masks came off. And, um, and she said this to me, and I thought it was really interesting. She said, um, yeah, most of the high school teachers are reporting fairly similar things, like it's getting back to normal. But... Um, She's a K to 12 supervisor, and she said the middle, particularly middle, but the middle and elementary teachers are not reporting that at all. And um, she and I together sort of speculated about that, and it was kind of like this year and a half the kids were home, um, and the social sort of retardation that came from the part of school that I just identified as the most important being withdrawn, right? So now your, your job every day is to, your job every day is literally get up, go to your bedroom and get on your computer. And um, she said an interesting thing about that that I hadn't thought about, um, which was um, the parenting part of it. Because um, one of the things she said that I, I thought, oh, wow, I hadn't really thought about it that way, was how many kids... Even, even sort of the good kids, the well-behaved kids, the kids who could adjust to it, were kind of shut out of their parents' lives because, and this was the part I hadn't thought about, their parents were doing the same thing they were doing. So, like, the priority right now in the house is you need to get out of here. You need to go be somewhere. Other, I'm trying to do work. Like, my job is now at home, the parent. So this is my office. This is mom's space. This is dad's space. You need to go, you know, be banished to this other part of the house. And and mm. so and now if you're talking about a 10 and 11 and 12 year old kid, that's going to have some lasting impact. And so we're we're a long way from working through that. I think we're kind of just at the beginning of that with some grades. But um, again, I see a little less of that in high school and and the quality of the kids I have because I'm sort of spoiled and have the high level kids. They're independent anyway and getting closer to college and. Um, you know, being able to do those things, but you can't expect that from sort of a, a disaffected 12 year old boy who's being told to go sit on a computer all day. That's how we do school. And by the way, leave mommy and daddy alone because we're working. Uh, if if he's lucky enough for them to be home, be home, they might be they might have jobs they have to actually attend, and then he's kind of alone in his house. It's funny you say she brought up a point that you hadn't thought about. Somebody was in the office the other day, which, by the way, as you know, because you've listened to some, it's really how this podcast emanated was just chatting in this office that I'm sitting in now at work. Cause I don't, know, I don't do a whole lot of work. 
But he was talking, I, th- I think I, maybe it was Donnie. I can't actually remember, but I hadn't thought about this. He said all this work at home, which, you know, slowly people are going back to the office, but not wholly. No. Right. And the effect that it's had on all the residual businesses, the bars, the restaurants, those kind of things that all depended upon the worker going there after work. And I thought, man, that's something I hadn't even thought about. Oh, all of right. those places that are suffering. Yeah, because people are working from home instead of having a beer or a burger after work, they're already home. Right. Yeah. Thought, no, I hadn't thought about that either. Good yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, really good point. But I know you guys both like uh, good comedy, and, and uh, this is off the subject, but not. Modern Family the other day, it's the one, if you've seen it, you'll know it, where there's um, the kids, Manny and, um, and, and Luke, are having a party, and the two moms come home because they think something's up. And all the kids are upstairs, and Claire is going through the house with a fine-tooth comb, and, you know, they do that shot. And the kids, the, the, the kids, the party goers are all gathered in one room and every single one of them has their nose buried in their phone. And Luke says, we were one dead battery away from a conversation breaking out. <laughs> and, that's where, that's, and if the conversation breaks out, they're going to be had because they're going to hear it. But that is where we're at now, kind of on the heels of Trisden's question. It really almost, I mean, I know well, that sounds cliche too, but God damn. But you know what? That, that's a, that's a comedy writer who's 40 or 50 years old who wrote that joke yeah that's not that's not funny to kids that's not the way they th- i mean i i am um, one of the one of the ways that it really manifests in you know being in a classroom every day is there's that sort of end of class time okay we're, we're kind of done for the period we have a couple minutes um that used to be one of the joys of my teaching life was just to chill with the kids and you know you talk to them about their lives or they're Mets fans or they're in the play and you, you know how the play rehearsals going or, you know, nice football game last week, whatever it is. And, um, it's, it's, it's gone. It I mean, doesn't I've, happen anymore. No, I've taken pictures wow. on my phone or a little video where they literally go immediately into their phones because, because if you're an effective teacher and you've had them had their phones away for the, your class period, they're literally on. Chomping at the bit. Oh my wow. God! They can't wait to find out what they missed. I mean, we have fifty-five God, minute periods, dang. so I, that I, is different. That is yeah. very different. If I run fifty minutes, fifty-one minutes, boy, that's a lot of stuff that they might have missed, and they got to spend that four minutes catching up. And it's crazy. I'm sitting there at my desk, and so then finally, I'm like, "Man, eh, you can't beat them. Join them." And I check Twitter. <laughs> All right. So, so then, what is uh, what is the rule? I guess school to school, it's different. Verona High School, where yeah. you are, Verona, New Jersey. The rule is what in your or, or is it up to the individual teacher to to set the guidelines? No, <clears throat> no cell phone while I'm teaching. Is it a is it a is it a, a district wide thing or is it up to the teacher? How does it work? It's up to the individual teacher, and I, and I and I know a lot of teachers in a lot of places, and I don't. I see very few exceptions to that. And most schools that have tried real hard bans have failed for various reasons. And the, and the various reasons are no one's having it. Kids aren't having it. Parents aren't having it. Um, and um, you know, people will claim you know what's going to happen in an emergency, and which is absurd because we had emergencies for decades and decades before cell phones and we figured it out but um the real thing is they just don't want to you know be disconnected and and also um you know i've often said it's to call them phones anymore is such a misnomer they're they're right. supercomputers and there's a lot of times where you know you implement it into the into the classroom you know go on your phones and check this or check that or look this up that or look that up or um i've had kids say my computer's dead can i use my phone you know, that kind of thing. So they're they're pretty integral. Um, and, and I don't know of any schools that have, I, you know, there's there's the, um, you've heard of uh, the thing Dave Chappelle does. He gives out the bags and you lock them away. Do you know this? Yeah. yeah. I so, did, yeah. Um, yeah, so that technology exists and it would it would seem to be perfect for a school. But um, I don't know of anybody who's really tried it. And so, um, yeah, it's basically off and away while, while, I always tell my kids, you know, use your discretion. You know when you shouldn't have them out. And you know when yeah. you have a little downtime. You know if you finish an assignment early and you're chilling, it's fine. I'm not going to bother me. And um, but if it's, I'm in the middle of something and you're sitting in the first row with your face in your phone, then then we're going to have words. It's <laughs> been an ongoing debate here at Galaxy Bowling because I am 61 and I am a luddite, and I manage with a guy who is half, <laughs> literally half my well, 25 years older than than Lucas. So he's 34 or five, and he's of 
much closer to the generation of millennials and now post-millennials that we manage. We're 20, 18, 20 kids here. And I say kids because they're all younger than my daughter who works here. They're all in their 20s. And Lucas's point to me, I always wanted to do a Dave Chappelle. When you come, you know, it's a bowling alley. There's 300 fucking lockers here. We can get you a locker. Um, And everybody puts their phone into a locker and you check it on your break. Well, first, we don't really have scheduled breaks. That's a problem. And then Lucas, who won this argument because we've never done that, said, Ray, do you really want to fire someone over a phone? You know, what are you going to do? You're going to warn them the first time, second time, you're going to double dare, double, double dog warn them. And then third time, you're going to fire them. It's not worth the fight. Okay. It's not worth the fight. I got it. So I've lost that. But here's the thing the kids are on them all the time. Now, to your point, I say, well, use your discretion. Please don't do it at the expense of a customer. But God damn it, there are 32 cameras here. And I don't manage by camera, but I do watch sometimes. And the kids are constantly on their phone. So once you allow it, you have to put up with they're going to constantly be on it. Because to Tom's point, it's not a phone. It's stupid. It's every bit of social media. It's games. It's everything. You guys know more than I do. But they're going to be on it once you allow it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And so uh, you you know it's a it's a it's a um, it's just a discipline um, classroom discipline kind of thing and and the respect kind of thing to get kids. You know, some like all other forms of discipline. I suppose some teachers manage it better than others. And um, you know, I do remember years ago saying to a kid, very very smart, thoughtful, insightful kid. Um, as we were sort of migrating over from nobody has a cell phone to I think we're headed to everybody having a cell phone. So we might be in the early 2000 teens or 11 or 12 or something. And um, and I, I sort of said, ah, it's like passing notes. The same kids who weren't paying attention because they were passing notes are now on their phones and not really see the difference. And she said to me, oh, no, 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 no. It's not like passing notes. <laughs> and I said, why? And she said, because you're literally in a different place in real time. Like writing a note, you right. write your note, you fold it up, you throw it across the room, and you wait for your friend to take a minute. And write, and then you attend to class while you're – and that was the first time I had ever really thought about that. Um, and that level of distraction is is problematic. I can't – I you know, patience as a classroom teacher is – Probably humor's one, patience is two. Um, the two virtues that you ain't making it if you don't have. And right. um, and that becomes more and more true with phones because the number of times, even with really good kids, the number of times that you have to repeat a thing and repeat a thing and repeat a thing. Um, and just because they're always, you know, they're, they're out of the moment. They're always out of the moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, not, I don't know. Certainly nothing that's uh, unique to education as you point out by talking about the kids you're managing it's just uh they're here so tom i'm kind of chomping at the bit i love teacher stories and i bet you've got a couple really good funny just wacky shit that happened type stories if you've got a couple of those on the top of your head i would love to hear them oh yeah there's a bunch i um maybe the the one that Jumps quickest to mind is the time my radiator exploded. You guys go radiator or radiator? Uh, yeah, radiator I'm a radiator, radiator guy. You're a radiator guy. You're okay. a radiator. So the, um, the strange noises started coming out of the thing. And, um, you know, schools are funny, old Jerry right. buildings. And, <laughs> you know, nothing ever works. And uh, we all recognize this, it shouldn't be making this noise. And the kids are kind of distracted. And all of a sudden, this pink liquid, which I guess was was an antifreeze or something that was in it, some kind of a chemical shoots out. I mean, shoots out of this thing. <laughs> to, to, it, it hits the ceiling. That's how far it shoots out. And a couple kind of like kids, Tristan. Couple, <laughs> couple, That's right. Couple kids, <laughs> couple kids just scream and run out of the room. Um, I, I've, um, and now I'm trying to be the funny thing about being a, a teacher is you're always sort of automatically in the, you're in control. Don't panic. You have to figure it out. Situation, right, right. you know, you just got to be that guy. Whatever, however limited knowledge you have of radiators and what's <laughs> happening, you, I, you know, I got this. So I had, um, I was like, okay, you guys get out in the hall. I'm not sure what this is. There were two real nice kids, gentlemanly young men, who were like, hey, Mr. White, this is hitting your desk. 
let us help you. They helped me pick the desk, <laughs> move it across the room. For years, I had a couple of books that were like covered with this pink liquid that shot everywhere. No shit. Um, but the best part of the story was, um, so we, we get the kids out of the room, and this stuff is now pouring out. It's flooding the room. By the time God. by the time they had it under control, it was about an inch deep in the room and out into the hallway. Ugh. And um, wow! So so now administrators are running down and whatever, whatever. Everybody's trying to do what they can. And somebody, I don't know, if it was one of my kids. I don't think it was me. Covered the covered the top of the thing with books, to old textbooks, which which stopped the flow of the water. I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea, but at least it stopped the thing. So. Um, yeah, principal comes out, and the vice principal, and no one knows quite what to do. And they're trying to get a maintenance guy, and they get the head custodian, and he's not quite sure. <clears throat> and finally, the director of maintenance from the whole building—he's—he's he's actually in our building uh, for the whole district. I mean, he's actually in our building. He comes running down, and he immediately identifies this: the the books are a problem. These books can't be here. And uh, it was Chris Caruba, Buzz. Remember Chris Caruba? Chris yeah. was the vice principal at the time. And Chris was like, no, no, don't touch that. Don't touch that. And he runs over. He's like, no, we can't have this. And he grabs the book and he lifts it. And the pink stuff comes out and shoots him straight in the forehead. <laughs> oh, and God. Chris and I are hysterical. Like, we can't laugh. You know, you can't laugh, but, but it's hysterical. <laughs> and um, it was literally like Keystone Cops running around trying to get this thing under control. I don't. What, now, I don't, can you put a year? put a year on that? Yeah, I can always remember the kids who were involved. So that was like 08 or 09. I, I can always, crazy. I always have a mental image of a couple of kids and I can place them in time. But um, I had never heard that story. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't even ah. know why. I don't even know why that one popped up first, just because it was. What's the liquid? I think I it was. Freon. What was the liquid? No, yeah, I think it was, No. Freon's like a an gas, antifreeze. I think. Yeah, and maybe. it was too much of it, I think, to be yeah. on. I think it was like, I think it was like an antifreeze or something that runs through the, through the Makes pipe. Makes sense. It's not really. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Really sure. wow. Yeah, it's fun. It's funky colored antifreeze. Yeah. Like so I that said, was yeah, it for that. Sense. That was it for that class that day. That was it for that class that day. We had we uh, tried to you know soldier on and conduct the rest of the class in the library. But that's always one of those moments where you just like, okay, who are we kidding? This is over. Um, hey, so uh, I, I know you have a, a place to get to, and I'll I'll say that in a minute because Trizen will like it. But so we we touched on kids. How about teachers? So now you're with young teachers. A, a, a lot of change. Uh, dress codes, right? I mean, fuck. They wear yeah. pretty much whatever they want now, right? Flip flops yeah. and shorts. Or, well, I mean, that that's a thing, right? It is. But I'll tell you a funny story, Buzz. When um, oh my God, I have to put a year on this for it to be. It had to be the early '90s. And I don't know if you know this story either. I was uh, I was teaching all quiet on the Western Front, and I had um. I had, I guess I mentioned my dad was a combat veteran. The kids were super interested in it. And I had him in as a speaker. Do you remember this? Oh, I, I asked him, yeah, I asked him if he would come in and he brought Ed Quigley in. Tristan, a oh, real, nice. good, real good friend of my dad's and also a veteran. I was like, would you guys come in and just answer questions from kids about their real intrigue to meet Two different wars. And a Marine and, a, and an Army guy, but um, they both had experience. So they came in and it was, it was a great day. They're, they're, you know, both sort of raconteurs and great storytellers, and the kids were super entertained and and uh, interested, and it went really well. But the one thing that stands out, and it, it sounds like there's no segue from your question, but there really is, was um, walking down the hall with Dad, and he said, um, I have two questions. Like, he hadn't been in a high school in, I don't know, decades. Right. He said, I have two questions. He said, does anyone monitor cursing? Because the language... Nah. He goes, because the language I hear in these hallways, I didn't hear when I was in the army. And he That's said, funny. the other thing is, um, the other thing he said was, is there any dress code? So, I mean, those kinds of things, it's just ever thus. That's one of those like, yeah. oh, this generation, this generation, this generation. And so, sure, you know, every generation pushes a little more, but I, I don't know. Um, there's probably more of an acceptance, at least as regards dress code, um, because now you run into a lot of... Um, a lot of issues relative to kind of um, uh, gender role expectations and things like that, um, which is which is to say, um, you know, uh, dress codes have always. When we talk dress codes, we're telling girls to get dressed a certain way. Let's be blunt. There's never really been a dress code that's applied to 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 boys. Um, girls need to keep this covered and that covered and you know what you'll find in modern schools is girls and their moms saying how dare you you know i think my daughter looks beautiful she'll dress however she wants um you know it's a boy's job not to sexualize her um and so and i think a lot of people have um 
first of all, it's a good argument. And second of all, I think a lot of people have stepped away from trying to fight that battle of, you know, because a lot of dress code is rooted in what the expectations for a lady and how a lady should behave in public. And, I, you know, some of those things are so archaic that, um, you know, a lot of it has gone that, you know, Nancy has a funny story. My, my wife has taught for 30 years, too, about um, they brought back an interim um, VP recently, um, you know, old retired guy to come in and serve a couple of months. And he was he was, you know, enforcing like boys can't wear hats. And and the, and the teachers were kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah, we remember when that was a rule in like 1998. And so um, <laughs> and, you know, you think about that and you're like, why was that ever a rule? Like, who cares if a kid has a backwards hat on? I mean, is he cheating? Does he have a cheat sheet under his hat? Whatever. But nah, he's just wearing a hat. And so I think a lot of those things have kind of just fallen by the wayside a little bit as far as yeah you know. uh, yeah i suppose I, I i don't know that that's a whole nother discussion i think it looks like it shit is. i mean there's a great sopranos you remember the sopranos tommy never watched it he fucking lives in new jersey he thought it was a bad depiction well that's who it is i remember mr adamo from our hometown yeah those guys were there he never watched sopranos it was a bad depiction in new jersey what the fuck <laughs> do you not, remember the sopranos you're, you're mischaracterizing what i said it's probably <laughs> All right. It's probably too good of a oh, depiction, which is too why accurate. I didn't find it entertaining. Do you I remember? Love, I love among those people. <clears throat> They're not entertaining. That's pretty good. Well, okay, that's yeah. fair. But Tristan, you uh, you you saw a lot of their kids. Show. Tony, you, Jesus, Buzz. Tony lived in the next town. That was North. I know. Cold, like North, I taught, North Cold I taught Cold. his kids. That right. half of that but, show was filmed in Verona. <laughs> but do you? I know that is all true. But do you remember the one Tristan? Because you saw every episode, right? I did. Yeah. Where Tony goes and has the kid take the baseball hat off, and and he and he does it in the coolest way because he he says, you know, we're we're in a nice place, and the kid sorts sorts to put up a little bit of, you know, give him a little <clears throat> bit of shit, and he's like, you can take the hat off or you can leave, and the kid's like, oh yes sir, yes sir. I mean, I I I don't I don't think it's a great thing. My nephew insists <clears throat> upon wearing his fucking hat, Johnny, you know, and he's gonna wear it backwards to Easter Sunday. Fuck wearing your hat. Now, I've lost that because the parents, his mom takes Tommy's point. Oh, it's only a hat. No, fuck that. Easter Sunday dinner, you don't need to be wearing your fucking baseball hat backwards. Is that a bad thing? I, I don't us, think that's a bad thing. Tell us how you really feel about this. Well, <laughs> you guys, am I wrong about that? Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know about wrong. I think it's... Um, I, and I don't disagree with that. Easter dinner, you know, it's kind of an extreme thing. But in general... I think that um, I think there's kind of bigger fish to fry. I think that I think that's a little misdirected. If you have your yeah, but what about the broken window theory? What about the broken window theory? Rudy Giuliani might I, be an asshole, but it did work in New York. You break the wind, you you fix the fucking broken window, and the other bigger stuff starts to take care of itself. Yeah, I suppose if you think wearing a backwards hat is going to lead to now, I'm going to vandalize the restroom, which I don't think it does, but. Um, I, I think there's I think there's too much else going on in schools now for um, and I, I don't mean to minimize I think there's there's a lot to be said for how you present yourself uh, but I, but at some point I think that's there's that's parenting and Tristan, um, I'm sorry I'm dominating and he's got to get going because Jacob oh, Degrom no. is making his debut but one more question yeah. so we talked about we talked about students and you know you say they're better whatever. The kids I manage are jagoffs, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, no, they're they're good kids. They really are. They're 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 good kids. Um, teachers, you know, we didn't, you didn't really expand upon whether teachers or how they're different. But parents, right? You, you, you know, I, I I'll just quickly tell the Danny That's Hope the story. Who, who coached Danny Hope? Who coached football at EKU and then went on to Purdue, where Tommy's daughter graduated. She wasn't there when Coach Hope was there. But I remember Danny telling me, and I call him Danny because we were a year apart in age. He'd come up to the radio station. He'd talk five minutes on the air. Then he and I had talked 20 minutes off the air. And Danny was quite polite on the air, and off the air was F this, F that. But he had a he was at East he was at Eastern from like 02 to 07 ish. And he had a father call one day, get through to the office. Coach, uh, this is Mr. White. I, I'm just wondering about, you know, my playing, t the playing time for Kyle. And Danny was like two things. One was, how dare you? I'm the coach. Now, he didn't say this to the guy. He said whatever he did. But the other thing was, he said, Ray, my father would have no more done that than poke his fucking eye out. Co call Coach Kidd and ask him about my playing time? What in the hell? So... That being said, as sort of the, the groundwork for tell us about parents and how that's changed. Well, that's the single biggest difference, um, without a doubt, is the, the role of parents and how, um, how administrators respond to parents. 
Um, uh, there's, uh, and that's, I don't, that's a, that's problematic for me because the, because the, um, I don't know, where's the expertise is ultimately my question. Like, does, does my 35 years of teaching amount to nothing more than, well, I want my kid to have this or do this or, um, and, and in a lot of cases it, it kind of doesn't, it just, everything defers to, um, and I can tell you a lot of stories. It would be, I, I wouldn't, cause I don't know who's going to ever listen to this, but, uh, <laughs> no uh, one. It, it's, yeah. So many, um, tens of millions. The, yeah. Tens of the, tens. Uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease, um, kind of thing as applies to parents. It, parents are way, 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 way too involved. Just that's, I would leave it at that. Just too. Well, that and, too, and, 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 and they I don't, and they don't bring any expertise. And so they should step and, back. And, and Trizant, uh, Tommy tells this story, which might be a good way to wrap it all up. And, and I'll hit the highlights, Tom, and you can, you can fill in the rest of it. But so, Mom dies in 1979. I'm 19. My brother's 15. He's a sophomore in high school. And his recollection in 1979 is he doesn't even really remember anybody saying much to him, whether it was a guidance counselor, teacher, principal, right? It's the fucking 70s. Now he'll have administrators come to him and say, hey, Trisden's folks are struggling. Take it easy on him today, right? Isn't it sort of like that, Tom? Oh, it can be worse than that. It can be, um, it can be, and this is common. Um, Tristan's going to come sit in my office for the period. He's feeling anxious. Mm. Uh, and I mean, that's not an isolated thing. That's almost a norm now. And, I, and um, you know, it's such a delicate balance because nobody wants to be cold or indifferent to stress and anxiety and what kids are going through. But, um, boy, a lot of kids work in the system. And a lot mm. of kids know and how they can get out of everything because everything has to be honored now, right? Like no one will just say, "Your ass, get back in the classroom." You're, you're jerking, every, <laughs> you're jerking everybody's chain. It's like, oh no, and, it, and you know, and, and um, and these, you know, this industry that has grown up. Or, uh, that's another um, really substantial difference in 35 years. When I started, I don't even think this existed. There might have been one person. I don't know when Sharon McGee came along, but she goes back a while, probably at least 30 years. Sharon McGee was brought on board as what was called the Student Assistance Counselor, which then got acronymed to SAC. She was the SAC. And uh, schools all have them now. Over time, they became mandated. Um, Sometimes it's the YAC, the Youth Youth Assistance Counselor. And and, and so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like that. So there's people in the building whose job it is to kind of walk down to my room and say, oh, Tristan's not going to be here. He's very anxious today, and he's going to sit in my office. Um, we have a, we have a, an entire classroom now dedicated to just kids who sit and um, with sort of counselors. And not because their mom died a week before Christmas, because, right. you know, homework seemed like a lot last night. And, right. You know that, and that's a that's a problem. That's a problem. And I, and again, that's I don't mean to minimize. You know, there's there's real there's real issues, and there's real disabilities, and there's kids who need help, and then there's kids who take advantage of the system, and, and sure. you're finding that line. But um, you know, that's that's it's been ever thus, right? You you've, I I have a um, an editorial I wrote a letter to the editor that got published about five years into my career, and. Um, this and I talked in there about um, one of the difficulties when you walk in a classroom is determining, even then, before all of this stuff grew up, who's 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 got real problems and who doesn't. You know, who's just trying to jerk your chain to get out of homework and whose dad locked them in a closet last night because sure. you know that's that's how they roll in that house. And you're like, you sure. know, you gotta you gotta figure that out. To, to, you know, to reach either of those kids, to get the kid who's jerking your chain to do his work and to get help for the kid who's being abused at home. And you're the first person to realize, you know, what he's telling you. Right. Wow. So. Fascinating. And Tommy, one of the things, uh, like Ray said, you've got to go watch uh, Jacob DeGrom come off the DL tonight. Now that said, he's yes, probably sir. on a pitch count. He'll probably go three innings. So it's not as yeah. exciting maybe as if he was midseason four. But nonetheless, we'll be good to yeah. see him back on a big league mound. Um, but yeah, we can, we can let you get out of here and, and Ray and I can wrap up with, uh, what we think of as very mediocre comedy and, uh, thank our sponsors. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I would love to bring you back in here, uh, talk politics with you. Yeah, I thought we'd sort of, yeah, yeah we hope to get to that. And you, you were afraid you had nothing to say. We didn't even do anything political shit. Yeah. Well, I hope there was anything interesting in there and, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to come back and do some politics. Yeah. We'll do awesome, it again. Man. Did you, uh, 
Did either of you guys see, again, this is going to be dated by the time this airs, but I, I was driving to work and had the news on, so when I got here, I put the bar television on, and it was Pelosi's plane landing on the tarmac in Taiwan, and it was like this weird shot, because the only thing that was lit up was the United States flag on the fin. Did you notice that? And it was like, it was kind of weird, like kind of giving him the finger. But I mean, I guess it's good she did it. We'll see what the ramifications are now. They yeah, say the Chinese are going to do some increased uh, drills and stuff. I hope, man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah Maybe they'll raise gas stuff. prices. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't see footage. I just saw speculation about whether she would actually go, where it would be in the trip. And boom, I think it was the first stop. Yeah, a second. I think she went to Singapore first. But yeah, Yeah. give the old girl credit. And am I crazy? Is she oddly attractive at 82? You're crazy. Someone, someone. um, (laughs) Come on, man. Before, Before electricity, she was hot. Someone, someone tweeted today, and it's hard to argue with this. I don't really know. Here's one thing I know about Nancy Pelosi, whatever else you think of her. When she does a thing like that, she has considered every angle and every repercussion of it before she does it. Okay. And I think um, when you look at her legislatively, that certainly seems to be the case, however much you yeah. hate her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd agree All with right, that. Let's go watch the Grom. Go, let's go, Mets go. And uh, pretty good season this year, right? Finally. Yeah, now you got Scherzer and DeGrom back-to-back if DeGrom can yep. stay healthy. How about that as Jesus. a one-two in the playoffs? Uh, yeah. Nice. And, Tom, we expect you nice to day. listen to this episode and tell your friends and family that you were on. Actually, oh, listen know. to all the episodes, if you would. Start at the beginning yeah. and listen yeah. one through would be helpful. Um, you know what? I've listened to more than you would think. I've listened to a bunch of them. Who's nice. better, me well, or Chris? I even, oh, uh, you, unquestionably. Yeah, okay. I even listened a little bit today to the the Ray White story. I didn't know that was a thing. Tristan interviews <laughs> Ray. I'm like, nah. yeah, that's right. What can I learn? What can I learn in this one? That's funny. Yeah, he talked. He talked really bad about his whole family the whole time, which I thought was <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah, I tuned out after twenty minutes. F that guy. <laughs> Enough of that. Nice. Guy. All right, my brother. Thanks for coming. We're gonna do this again. Man, that was a lot All of right. fun. I um remember remember that time I had to use uh, the facilities. That's happening again. So let's um let's do our quick <laughs> comment. Get out of here. Wrap it up quick. And let me first say, uh, I think at one point I went to hit the mute button and I stopped the recording and I started it back. So, uh, man, I hope that Troy uh, from Front Porch Studios, our guy, our producer, our, the one that puts this together for us, is You're able, able to, make to sound good? patch this whole thing back together. So okay. apologies in advance if not. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully that's an easy thing. But, yes, let's get you out of here. Uh, I'm ready for some dinner myself. Um, hey, well, so yeah, let, we got to mention our wonderful sponsors. Oh, yeah, we got we got to thank, uh, thank Berea Pond, uh, BuckshotandLead.com, 107 Clay Drive. Yeah, I stopped by. I bought some stuff from Aaron this weekend. I don't know what it was, but uh, he's got a lot of furniture right now, inexpensive uh, he's a He's a, a dealer of several types of uh, guns and knives, so. Look, if you're local, he's a great place to check out. Just like if you're having one of those Saturdays when you're wandering around and you don't have anything to do, swing into Bria Pond on Clay Drive. He's got a lot of cool stuff in there to look at. And uh, our, our buddies at Bad Wolf Gaming, Gray, if you want to talk about Dan and Nasa at Bad Wolf. Yeah, uh, great folks. 7-Eleven Chestnut Street. Um, Dan stopped in the other day. We had a nice conversation, and uh, I need to get into the store, but it's everything for your gaming needs, Dungeons and Dragons and Yu-Gi-Oh! And he's getting into a lot of other stuff. Just a really cool store and um, a a lot of fun stopping in there. And cool people. Like, I really, really enjoy Dan and Nasa. I'd like to to see them more. But, uh, yeah, they're they're, they're great. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship. So now, uh, with that, let's do a little... Let's do a little comedy. Ray, I got two top 10 lists. You tell me which one okay. you want to hear. Uh, the one? top 10 things Joe Biden is doing slash saying to help people with gas prices or okay. t- top 10 ways inflation is affecting the Extreme Common Sense podcast. Oh, I got to go with that. Let's hear that. That sounds cool. Okay. All right, here we go. This is the Bad Wolf Gaming top 10 things Joe Biden is doing slash saying to help people with gas costs. Oh, wait, no, you wanted the other one. Nope, no, you wanted the other one, right? You wanted the, the ways, oh, top yeah, 10 yeah. ways. Then. Okay, so we'll do the other one next week. So listen next week, you'll hear the other one. Top 10 okay. ways of inf- inflation is affecting the Extreme Common Sense podcast number 10. We had to cut our prep time from four to three minutes. Uh, number nine. 
Yeah, thanks, inflation. Number nine, uh, the post-show champagne, now post-show Miller High Life. Nice. Number eight, Ray cutting down interruptions to save uh, paying Troy for the additional studio time. I don't like that one. (laughs) Number seven, uh, to make ends meet, Troy also charging Ray $5 every time he mentions New Jersey. Number six, Trisden's stories about being poor are now present tense. Nice. Number five, to stay to save studio space, Ray insisting on sitting on my lap. And I'm sure, still not sure how that saves us money. Nice. Number four, Stoveleg Media now providing only one microphone. Uh, number three, <laughs> to save money, all guests will be brought on via walkie-talkie, which sort of uh, felt like uh, that was the case today uh, (laughs) with uh, my producing skills. And the number one way inflation is affecting the Extreme Common Sense podcast, we can only afford to pay pay our writing staff for a top nine list. So there you go. (laughs) You notice I jumped from, uh, from, yeah, number three to number one. So, all right. So, yeah, thanks to Bad Wolf Gaming. uh, I don't know about that. Maybe it's the uh, COVID talking. So, yeah, thanks to Bad Wolf. Thanks to Bree upon Aaron. Uh, we appreciate all you guys. So, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Ray, hit the head, my friend. Yeah, I, I will do that. And uh, I, you know what? I should have had my brother. He's a pretty good joke teller. Should have had him tell a joke. So, I apologize. Yes. No joke this week, but um, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Aaron. And uh, thank you, Trizen. I hope you start feeling better, man. Get over this COVID. That- Absolutely. I'm sick of it. Yeah. Thanks, man. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. <laughs>